everybody. Welcome to another episode of All the WrestleMania is the Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm your co-host, Rich Sigwald. We're always excited to be back in the studio with you. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to talk about the AWA Super Clash from 1985, the Night of Champions, coming to you live from Chicago. And we're excited to talk about some old school AWA slash NWA wrestling. Um, Rich, you having a good uh, good long weekend so far? Oh, yeah. Went to see Guardians of the Galaxy today, like a month late, but, you know. <laughs> I have a, it's one of these holidays, uh, Juneteenth to where, uh, the government where I work is closed and the government where my wife works is closed, but the daycare is open. All right. So babysitter built in, Hell yeah. let's do something. So we went to the movies and we had lunch. That sounds like a good day. Yeah. We didn't. Uh, and took the Subaru in for s- service. Uh, yeah. And you guys know how to party. <laughs> um, yeah. We, hot uh, date. we took it kind of easy this weekend. We hit the beach a little bit, did go see some, uh, boxing at a brewery down the road. That was fun. Um, some uh, all kinds of wrestling news lately. We'll just just recap a couple of things. So first off, I'll pay our condolences and our respects to uh, the Iron Sheik who passed away a week or so ago. Yeah. Uh, that's a real loss for the wrestling business and for the you know just sort of the larger culture around pro wrestling. A guy was an icon uh, and a, a really a one of the kind, legend of the earth, Bubba. Uh, so we're gonna miss him. His miss his uh, Twitter presence. Miss his really funny media appearances. Um, any thoughts on the Iron Sheik? Um, no, I mean, I, I loved him. I loved everything about him. I loved, uh, yeah, everything there's, uh, he was a phenomenal athlete. He was a phenomenal personality. Uh, he knew his role more than like anybody else knew in this business. He knew, I mean, as much as he like every single day righted Hulk Hogan's ass on Twitter, <laughs> he also knew that it was his role to put Hulk Hogan over and put Hulk Hogan over in the right way. Yeah. And so in a way, Iron Sheik is right that there is no Hulk Hogan. There is no Hulkamania. There is no WWF mania without the Iron Sheik in that match on June 23rd, 1984. Yeah, and we uh, watched that one for a previous show, so you can go back and listen to that. That was a really good one. We, of course, also marveled at his uh, heel turn with uh, Nikolai Volkov against uh, the U.S. Express in uh, WrestleMania 1. Just phenomenal heat from the crowd in Madison Square Garden for that one. That's yeah. that's maybe the first one that I've seen, uh, you know, that we've talked about where, you know, with the trash just flying down on top of him. It was, it was so good. So brave. So over the top. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, great guy. Um, I do, I want to go back and watch the uh, biography they just did on him. Um, yeah. Cause I, I like seeing that, that early footage, especially. So, yeah, I will say that, uh, I am happy that his death has brought a lot of his work back into the spotlight and hoping that a new generation of wrestling fans can discover what uh, a freaking genius and athletic specimen that he was. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, let's see what else is going on. There's a brand new uh, AEW show. Did you watch the first episode of Collision? No. <laughs> Are you going to watch Collision or no? I'm going to try to. Yeah. I mean, it's just a matter of when when I have time and the ability. Uh Jesus, just hurry up and put it on the max already. Like get get that streaming deal done. Us cable cutters are dying, but I need your fix. Uh I know. Uh also I I told you so. I told you CM Punk would be back. Yeah, you did. I told you he was never leaving. He was never going anywhere. You don't talk like that to your boss and not get fired immediately, no matter the financial consequence. 
So he's back. <laughs> Rich called it. You can go back and uh, and listen to our episode around around the time of the of the all out uh, or whatever the fuck that was. Um, I thought it was a it was a strong first episode. Actually, it was the first thing I've seen from them in a long time. That's been like actually books like a wrestling show that had actual stars and actual matches. Uh, CM Punk's promo at the top I thought was excellent. Um, the FTR match I really enjoyed. Um, the only down one for me was the there was a women's match in the middle. Um, it was just kind of a waste. Um, but otherwise, it's it was a solid episode. I saw the, the ratings they did only did about 500,000, which is about half what they want to do on a Wednesday. Um, so I don't know. So Saturdays are kind of a tough... A tough night, but I mean, nobody watches anything live anymore, right? Like, no, and it's 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 clear that the ratings don't matter on these things. Like, I don't know why, especially wrestling fandom is hooked on these. Like, oh, they didn't draw even a million people watching. Like, yeah, well, you know, they're streaming. There's a million things on at any time, at any place, and then. Uh, you, you just can't, you can't count it. And like, if really the only thing that matters is if like advertisers are paying, you know, if the advertisers like the product that's, that's drawn in enough eyes on their product, they're going to pay. And then therefore that show stays on the air. Yeah. And you know, 500,000 people is 500,000 people in, uh, in that key, right. key demo, right. And we all hear the advertisers love so much. So anyway, I hope they, um, I hope they can kind of keep the momentum, keep the, EVPs uh, far away from the Saturday Night product. I think that would be great. Um, I'd be happy to just stop watching Dynamite altogether, honestly, and just make the switch uh, if if they did that. I don't know that they're going to, but um, that's kind of... I wouldn't be opposed. I mean, the things that I've been hearing is that they're basically talking a brand split like Raw and SmackDown, so I honestly would not be surprised. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, and I got a, got a bunch of babies running amok on the Wednesday Night Show, so they uh, they might might get their feelings hurt if they come over to Saturdays. Oh. <laughs> what was that line? The only, only, I'm sorry to the people that are, the only people softer than them are the wrestlers they like. Yeah. That was a great yeah, line. that was a good line. Yeah. The internet was losing its shit over that promo on, on uh, Saturday. Um, so, that's good, good stuff. I enjoyed it. Anyway, um, any other current, uh, current news we want to talk about? Or are you ready to talk some old school wrestling? Uh, let's do some old school wrestling. <laughs> yeah, so this is, like I said, AWA Super Clash, Night of the Champions. It's sort of a co-promotion between AWA and the NWA, and Rich can talk a little bit about that. Date on this thing is September 28th, 1985, from Comiskey Park, Chicago. That's the old White Sox Stadium, right? The attendance is a little over 20,000, 20,347. And Larry Nelson is on the announcing duties for this one. He's flying solo. Um, so we watched this um, from YouTube, and it appears to be a like a a broadcast rip from the old uh, old school. What was it called? WWE twenty four twenty four seven. Yeah, like the first iteration of the WWE network. Yeah, so the the quality is is really bad, um, and also the order of the matches is a little bit messed up. And I think um, we're not. We had some theories, but. We just kind of went with it. So if you look this thing up on Wikipedia, um, the order of the matches is a little bit different uh, than what we're actually going to talk about them. So um, don't let that confuse you. We watched all the matches. Uh, the first time it skipped, I was kind of bummed. I'm like, oh, man, did we just did it miss a bunch of these in it? But no, they, they came back. So so not to worry. Yeah. So WWE does uh, frequently do edits um, just because 
quality of tape might be bad or something like that. And so they'll, they'll just put in like jumping forward and it, it's normally only like 30 seconds that are dropped on some of that stuff. So, uh, that's okay. The match order did get mixed up a little bit and I suspect it's just, they decided to rebook it. Um, cause as we'll get to it, the Rick Martel versus Stan Hansen as a main event was a weird type of match to end the show. And like, if you're, if you were live there, you'd have been like, what? what the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? Yeah. Oh, it's over. We just go to the car now. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I kind of understand the, the, the copy and pasting of, and flipping around things to, to get that out of the main event spot, though it is highly entertaining. It's not a main event. So anyways, as Tim said, that I had some historical background on this. Uh, so this happens just a couple months, like six months after the first WrestleMania, which has shaken the pro wrestling world uh, and the entertainment world. The NWA and the AWA and uh, WCCW, World Class Championship Wrestling, are in a panic. They, they see the writing on the wall already. Uh, they see... The WWF has has set up a big rig barreling down the interstate right at them, and they're a deer caught in the headlights. It's coming. And uh, so they decide that they need to put together their own supercard program of ma- of mixing all of this because they still see the WWF only as, like, the New England Northeast Territory. And they're looking at, like, well... You know, if the NWA, AWA, and uh, World Class Championship Wrestling all come together, that's the rest of the country, basically. Yeah. We can beat them. The issue is uh, they don't have Vince McMahon. <laughs> that's really that's really the thing. And so, and it's it's very present when you watch this uh, that the big difference is. So they think that. So I think they're thinking of like the old school mentality of like, well, their talent, they got their talent. We have our talent. Our talents is good. If not better, we can put them out there and people will eat it up and people will love them. People love the road warriors. They love the fabulous free birds. They love Sergeant slaughter. We just got him from away from the WWF. You know, people love Ric Flair. And, uh, so we, we can, we can totally compete and they can, but the problem is, is I don't think they're looking at the production quality. WrestleMania 1 is a beautiful, polished presentation, just as from a TV viewer standpoint. It looks beautiful. There's amazing camera angles. You don't miss a moment of the action. That is not the case here. It's in a baseball stadium, which already does not lend itself well to wrestling. There's a reason why the WWF hadn't done any more shows at a baseball stadium since, like, the Clash at Shea or whatever they called it, uh, where they did Shea Stadium. And, you know, when you watch that tape, it's a little hard to watch just because you're at weird angles and you're not used to watching it that way. Uh, So I think... So there's bits of the action that you miss because the cameras are weird and like the zoom is off and it's cutting off part of the ring and like there's guys ringside. I mean, it's just kind of a looks slapdash. It looks like uh, recorded by a bunch of guys with camcorders and then they went home with their VCRs and mixed it together. And uh, it doesn't have the cinematography really that the WrestleMania one has. And I think that's what sold it 
WrestleMania. That's what that's the big difference between WWF and anything else that we've watched. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a mess to be honest, like visually, um, and even the announcing. You know, um, Larry Nelson is fine, but you know he's not. You know, Gorilla Monsoon and Vince McMahon, or you know, whoever I can't remember who was on WrestleMania one. I should know that off the top of my head, but he's got to be exhausted after. The oh my show. god, it's three and a half hours. The- he's doing all the ringside <laughs> interviews. He's doing the play-by-play. He's doing color commentary on himself. It's- he has to get out of the way two or three times because people are coming through his table. Um, actually, yeah. he's at the end. He's got like his tie like loosened, and he's leaning over his table. He looks like he's been like up all night in a casino. <laughs> so he, I actually wrote down. He looks like he's been on an all-night bender. Like this poor guy, he's gonna go yeah. to bed for four days. He earned his money that yeah, night. for sure. I mean, the in terms of the card though, it's it's fucking stacked. Like they really, yeah, they pulled out out all the stops. You know, everybody again from um, WCCW from uh, you know, down in Texas, and of course the AWA from uh, the middle of the country, and then you know the NWA and down down south. Um, they really, they just they pulled them all in. I have I, I'd love to see what the um, what the out you know outgoing uh payments were for the the talent on this card you know they they drew in that two hundred thousand dollar range yeah. um but i mean that's the reason why i'm saying it, it it's it's got to be the production value because i mean this card is incredible it's it's an all-star it's a bigger all-star cast than wrestlemania one the card is better it's got rising stars it's got old reliable standby household names at the time and it mixed together and but it just looks bad it just looks so bad and wrestlemania one from madison square garden just looks immaculate and beautiful you know yeah. and that's and you can have a non-wrestling fan watch that because it looks so good yeah and they'll they'll be like well this looks this looks professional if anything, you sit down a, re- a non-wrestling fan with this show and they're going, what is this, like backyard <laughs> wrestling in Comiskey Park? Like, yeah. what's going on? Who filmed this? Your 12-year-old son? Like, what? <laughs> after uh, so, after an overdose of sugar, it's all over the place. It's, uh, yeah, it's like shaky. It's just... <laughs> mm, yeah. You know. And we'll, we'll talk about the drawbacks of a ballpark as a... Uh, as a venue as we go along too, because there's a couple of places where it really kind of becomes sort of obvious. Um, but this is a, again, stack card, 13 matches. Uh, all 13 of them have some sort of title on the line. Um, with the exception, I think of the body slam match, but well, that's a $10,000 prize kind of similar to, uh, a straight rip yep. off of WrestleMania yep. one with Andre versus big John stuff. Yep. Totally. Um, but are you ready to you have any more history? You want to get right into the card? No, I mean that's that is the history yeah. of this thing. If this is this is their like, please God, don't put us out of business. <laughs> and you know, they, they last a bit longer. There's like five or six of these super clashes, uh into like the nineties or something like that. But it's going it's they're done. It's going down. They're done, yeah. You know. You know, and just as the WWF gets better and better at filming their stuff and these guys just you know it still looks like amateur hour you know yep it's just how it is well and we saw um we've watched a couple couple of their shows we watched the wrestle rock 86 right um and we watched um there was another one right there was one oh the uh super sunday we watched because that's yeah. that's the big one with um with hogan and yep I'm trying to think this was yeah i think this is our third awa and it's a, like probably like the 15th nwa show 
Because it's basically both, but it's more AWA yeah, for sure. definitely. So, anyway. But, yeah, so num- uh, first up on the card is Brad Rangans versus Steve Regal, a.k.a. not that Steve Regal. Uh, it's for the AWA Light Heavyweight Championship. Um, <laughs> so, the first thing I noticed throughout this match is that the announcer is obsessed with... Um, Steve having recently shaved his beard and like he keeps t- nonstop <laughs> he keeps talking about it. He's like, this is the first time I've seen him without that beard. And it is a tremendous difference on him. Um, and he comes back to, he says, Steve recently shaved his beard. And like <laughs> the beardless regal, like this, like anytime he can shove it in there, like, like maybe he's angry. Cause like he shaved it at his house and left the hair in the sink, left the sink a mess or something. I don't yeah, know. After he, after he did Larry Nelson's wife or something. I don't know. There's some, so the, you know, the story on this one is Brad Rangans, of course, is the amateur wrestler. He owns the, and, uh, Steve is the, you know, the pro wrestler. He's the, he's the dirty one a little bit. And, um, we've, they're, they're both good workers. We've seen them kind of go at it before on some of these AWA shows. Uh, and they have, they put on a good match, lots of action, lots of, uh, Regal grabbing the hair to get an advantage. Um, Brad does a, a really awkward cartwheel that I enjoyed. Um, I think that must have been one of his things because he did that on one of the other shows too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is. I mean, that was kind of a thing back in the day because we also saw uh, uh, Tony Gurea do it too on on a show too. Uh, so yeah, there's there's just some fun stuff in this one. Regal is doing the standard heel tactics of the eye gouge and and uh, and and just like punching as opposed to wrestling. Brad wants to wrestle him. You know, there's there's no honor in strikes. It's wrestling, uh, kind of thing. And I liked also that there's a moment where Brad goes for a drop kick, and uh, Regal just walks away from it, Samoa Joe yeah. style, like how Samoa Joe just walks away from like the crazy flips on the top rope. That's what what Regal does, but to just to a drop kick, yeah. and it's it's a wonderful little moment in this match. Yeah, he totally whiff, totally uh, whiffs on it. <laughs> yeah, so good. So uh, Brad gets an atomic drop. And uh, and goes for the pin, but then gorgeous Jimmy Garvin comes in and interferes and distracts Brad and lets Regal roll him up for the pin and the win on that one. Um, that was a good start to the show. I thought I was entertained. Yeah, they uh, they then interview Jimmy Garvin after the match, or no, they interview Stephen Regal after the match, and Steve just says, "Oh, Jimmy just came to see how I was doing. <laughs> came to see me without a beard. <laughs> just came to see how I'm doing. You were losing. That's why." So, uh, and then they, they catch up to each other on the infield of the baseball stadium and they start fighting. And that's the first body slam that we see on the grass turf. That looks hella painful. Uh, there's no way that feels good. Plus you're going to get grass stains on your gear. You're going to have to use the shout stick on there. You know, it's going to be a whole thing. So his mom's going to be mad. Uh, so no, that's a, that's a good time. I, I, I enjoyed that yeah. one. This was a good opener. Yeah. Um, this is another good opener, uh, Sherry Martell, who we are massive fans of, versus Candy Divine. This is for the AWA Women World Women's Championship match. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah. they say the announcer says she's in a very angry mood, which <laughs> I think is probably the understatement of the show, if not of the decade. Um, yeah. She won't let the ref pat her yeah. down and is delaying the start of the match. It's so good. She like literally screams in his face every time he tries to do it. Like he goes to check her yeah. boots for foreign objects. She just like, ah! <laughs> yeah. 
And like, it makes you start to hate her just because like, oh, come on. I want you to get to the action. Come yeah. on. And then it's like, Oh, this is so good. She's really milking it. Uh, yeah. And the, and I, this is when I noted that like the commentary doesn't stop. Yeah. Larry Nelson is this rattling nonstop, just going, going, going. He's Michael Cole, but he's also talking to himself. <laughs> it's really weird. So, um, I guess I should have asked this. Was this on pay-per-view or no? I don't think so. I think this was just, uh, might have been like one of those closed circuit things yeah. maybe, but uh, I would I would probably say that it was not pay-per-view because, I mean, WrestleMania 1 wasn't pay-per-view. Right. So I I'd imagine that they actually just recorded this for video possibly just and then sell the VHSs. Well, so the reason I asked actually is there's a, there's a few spots throughout where it almost feels like the commentary was like dubbed on or layered on afterwards. Um, but I was kind of wondering how much of that was actually alive and in the moment. I mean, clearly he's there because he's, you know, he's up at the side of the ring and he's, uh, yeah. but like. And he gets disrupted yeah. multiple times, so. <laughs> So these ladies have a really good match. Sherry is a star. Like she is, she's always a star. Uh, she looks amazing. She they they have pretty good fast pace. I didn't write any particular moves down, but yeah. like I, I enjoyed their uh, their exchanges. So I enjoyed the screaming even. Yeah, uh, the one the one spot that I didn't I I marked down two spots, and it was uh, so. Uh, Martel is uh, Sherry is trapped in a Boston crab can. He's got her in the Boston crab, and Sherry reverses that into a pin, and then that pin gets reversed by Candy, and it's just a very impressive like wrestling, and it's clean, it's crisp. It, you, it's this you know, it's it's refreshing to watch really good women's wrestling because we don't have this quality of of women's wrestling happening really anywhere in professional wrestling right now. Yeah. Uh, and Candy gets thrown out of the ring and lands on the dirt of the pitcher's mound. That looked hella tough. Ooh, and she's like covered in dirt too after that. Uh, and at some point, like Sherry is arguing, and uh, uh, Larry Nelson says, "Now let's be- get reasonable about this." <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Good luck with that. And then Sherry lands a crossbody from the top rope for the three count for the win. He's trying to reason with angry cat. Just, let's just yeah. Let's talk this out. Just scratch your eyes out. Yeah. And then Sherry, just to make sure she has enough heat after she gets the championship belt, starts beating Candy yeah. with it, <laughs> just to make sure that the crowd hates her. If you weren't sure yet whether she was the bad person in this match, now you mm-hmm. know. Thank you for your service, Sherry. Yeah. What a what a what a trooper, man. She's great. <laughs> So next up is the six-man tag match for the Asian Six-Man Tag Team Championship. I didn't know that I was a thing. I don't think it's a thing. <laughs> is that an AWA title? Is that a It's an NWA, NWA it's title? NWA. Yeah. What makes it Asian? Because only um, three of the people in this match are Asian. It doesn't even have its own Wikipedia page, yeah. the Asian Six-Man Tag Team Championship. I think it's made up. So I, it's very possibly made up. <laughs> So on the one side in this match, we have Jumbo Saruta, Giant Baba, and Janichiro Tenryu, who are all like very well-known uh, Japanese wrestlers, obviously. Um, Giant Baba was, you know, was huge. He was, along with Anoki, he was one of the two people sort of most responsible for, for creating Japanese pro wrestling, basically. Um, Tenryu we've seen on uh, WrestleMania. Um, they have, went up against uh, Demolition at number seven, I think it was. Um, yeah, 
with one of his partners. Um, Jumbo Sharuda, I've, I've heard that name quite a bit, but I've never actually seen him work. Um, so I was excited to see that. And then on the other side, we've got Harley Race and the Long Riders, which is Bill Irwin and Scott Irwin. Um, so that's kind of an interesting uh, partnership. Yeah, now that you're saying, now that you're saying that it's possibly made up, I don't recall seeing any belts. Did you see any belts? In, I don't remember seeing uh, any belts in this match suddenly. I don't know that I did. And Googling NWA Asian six-man tag team championship is turning up zero <laughs> on it. Like, not even, like, a blog going, you know, this was a thing, and, you know, it's not tracked or anything like that. Like, there's it, it had to be completely fabricated for this, and I didn't even I didn't even think about it watching it at the time. It just... Oh yeah, there there must have been an Asian six man tag championship, and they brought these guys over for it. Like, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I bought it. Okay, I know they used to do regional titles. I know that there was like the Pacific, the uh, Pacific Heavyweight Championship, and like the Mid Atlantic Heavyweight Championship, and the Florida Heavyweight Championship from in in the NWA and stuff. So, sure, there's an Asian one. Okay, why not? No, <laughs> apparently not. It doesn't appear. Doesn't appear anywhere. So, um, so this is, this is an all right. It's, I know it's a little bit of a mess. The long riders um, come, according to Larry Nelson, they come straight to the ring off their Harleys. They've parked their Harleys out in the out in the parking lot there, at Comiskey. But not their partner. Not their partner Harley. Yeah. They didn't ride their partner Harley <laughs> to the. Wait, man, that's what he was talking <laughs> about. He's introduced as handsome Harley, handsome Harley race, race, by the way, yeah. too. Um, yeah. So do you think he rode he rode on the back of one of their bikes on the way in? Or uh, how, how did he? Oh, yeah. He, he, he's riding with Scott. He's got his arms around <laughs> his belly. That'd be a- Resting his head on his shoulder. <laughs> well. Those curly locks blowing in the wind. Nothing would make you feel safer than to be held in the arms of a Harley race. No. No. Anyway, yeah, the uh, I, I'm so the Long Riders and Harley Race are face in this match, but they're only face because they're white. They're that's the only reason why. They're nor they they're always heels. Every time we've seen them, they're they're the heels. Yeah, but because they're white in this match, <laughs> they're there. Yeah, and we get a yeah. uh, Larry, Larry Nelson does refer to the one side as the Orientals. Uh, to get yeah, started on the oriental side the oriental side um tenryu actually does a good bit of the the heavy lifting here giant baba and yeah. uh, jumbo shruta are not particularly mobile so they they do a little bit they do some some chops and some clotheslines and stuff but tenryu is really kind of a star and he works he's really strong he works kind of fast he works in a more sort of american style i think um he uh he helps Baba beat up on um, on Harley. <laughs> Harley sells like a million bucks. He just he just flaps yeah. down like a like one of those bop balloons. He's just like bam, bam, bam. Um, and um, I don't know. It's there was a lot of there was a lot of tagging yeah, in this there match. Was. Um, and uh, at one point, uh, what was it um, Harley lands a pile driver and Larry Nelson is screaming, "That thing ought to be outlawed." <laughs> <laughs> so the, oh, the Japanese team gets the win here. Um Harley looks pissed. He always looks pissed. I don't know, like he reminds me of my, my grandfather. He doesn't look like him, but he just like the way he just kinda like stalks around and looks like he's like he's looking for a, a Michelob. Uh he's he's kinda yeah. mad at everything. Um I honestly always see the kid from Bad Santa. <laughs> 
That's when terrible. I see Harley Race for uh, some reason. I know it is, but it, I can't. I can't ignore it. Do you think it. they're related? Um, can you? I, I, that hair. Can you imagine that hair alone. Yeah. There has to be some sort of common gene. Um, yeah, I, honestly, the the uh, Asian team won probably to keep the belts in Asia because they don't exist, and uh, so you can't have a transfer of a fake regional title to non-regional guys uh i don't i'm so confused by this (laughs) harley race would have been in his 22nd year of wrestling at this point by the way yeah yeah and the the irwins and and race cut a heel promo after this match too it's like they're real bad guys but because they're white they're the good guys in this match it's Mm, right out of the 80s. one of the um one of the Irwins is like screaming incoherently in Larry Nelson's face and uh, Nelson just says you didn't get the title <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like don't antagonize him <laughs> he'll run you over with his Harley what the hell it's right in the parking lot you just said it he's got that weighted boot heel yeah. that he'll clock in the face yeah. with and like be careful Good man God yeah, no, that one was that one was a bit of a mess. I wasn't that was okay, but I I always like seeing Harley Race. Uh, I liked seeing uh, Tenryu. The rest of it was okay. Um, yeah, so I'm excited for this one. Actually, this is uh, the NWA World Midgets Championship, uh, Little Tokyo. Again, we saw in WrestleMania three um, versus Little T, aka Mid- Little Mister T. Uh, we've seen him in one of the other shows, yeah. but I can't remember which one now at the moment. He might have been at WrestleMania three as well, yeah. I think, possibly. But did you pop? Did you catch the the way added later ad that WWE twenty four seven pops up during this? Yeah. An ad for Midget Mania. I don't know if I got that one or not. I don't know what. That is. Yeah, so it oh, pops yeah. up real quick. Uh, it's like, stay tuned for Midget Mania or something like that after this is like, what is that? Do we need to try and find that and watch that? Because every single time we see them, we are impressed. This guy's working their asses off. This match is no different. Yeah, no, it's really good, actually. So I kind of wonder if Vince got the idea for, uh, you know, for having them at WrestleMania 3 from watching this, you know, because like if they can... We can steal ideas both ways, you know? Um, right. But uh, so, so little Tokyo, first of all, is wearing those weird, like, sandals with the wood blocks on the bottom. And I. Yeah, they're called Gaita. I don't know how he's going to wrestle on those. And they actually come off pretty quickly. Um, and, yeah. Uh, cool. And little T looks awesome, too. He's got, <laughs> he's got the mohawk. He's got the combat boots. He's got the whole, the whole gimmick. Like, he's got, he looks like a little Mr. T. He's <laughs> yeah. really good. Um, and uh yeah i was just looking at the history of that title and uh what's the story reappeared in 2009 but was active until 86 and then came back at 1998 through 1999 so little mr t uh, you know this is he's the last one to hold the belt he eventually takes it off little tokyo who has been the champion since 1983 uh but we have some familiar names in the history of yeah. this of this uh, title. Um, so I love the name of the, of the very first one. And that was sky low, low, <laughs> but a uh, little beaver takes it off of him in the 1950s at some mm-hmm. point. Also from WrestleMania three. Right. And then there's Sonny boy, Cassidy, farmer, Pete, Sonny boy, Cassidy again. And then uh, Lord Littlebrook at one point who we've seen WrestleMania three. Yeah. 
Little Beaver, Little Tokyo, Cowboy Lang. Yeah, we've seen him. So, yep. Uh, Tiny Tom, and then Tiny the Terrible at one point in 1998 (laughs) has it. And then there's Little Killer and then Jinx. Awesome. And then Octagoncito is the is the name of the last person mm. that held the belt in 2009. And he defeated El Espantito <laughs> to win it. That's awesome. Um, that's a really hard name to say, but uh so yeah. First, uh, that's a yeah, fascinating little title. First uh, first date, you know, first champion 1949 Paris, France. Crazy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, actually, so there's a, uh, I may have mentioned this on the show before, there's a federation, I think they're called the Micro, it's the Micro Wrestling Association, something like that. Mm. Um, let me look that up, actually. Uh, and they, they did a show out in Virginia Beach not too long ago, and I had to miss it, and I've, I since have seen the pictures from it, and I'm like, why did I miss that? Why? <laughs> it looks so good. Yeah, you don't have a kid. You have no reason to be missing that kind of I stuff. I know. Well, it was like, um, it was like Monday night at 9 o'clock. Yeah, the Micro Wrestling Federation, sorry. Um they're based out of, uh, well, I know they run regular shows in uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, um, but they, they travel around. That's an odd place to run. I know, right? <laughs> I wouldn't, I've been there. I, if I saw a sign for a little person wrestling while I was in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, I'd been like, that's up to no good. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going anywhere near that. Um, yeah. Because I'm sure that's happening next door to like the Noah's Ark Dinner Theater. Yeah, or the Dolly's Hit Parade part uh, horse show thing. That's, that's so like I don't know if you've ever you've been to Pigeon I have Forge, not. right? Oh, so for you and for our listeners, if you've not been to Pigeon Forge, Pigeon Forge is right next to Dollywood and Gatlinburg in Tennessee. It's it's and Sevierville is the other town that's right there. So it's like a, a trio of towns, uh, but basically the entire uh, makeup of Pigeon Forge is nothing but these giant medieval times like dinner theaters all next to each other and with different themes. So there's one with like a psychic pig and a comedian. <laughs> there's another one with uh, that tells the story of Noah's Ark or something like that. And then there's another like ultra Christian, ultra, ultra Christian stuff. And then uh, Dolly Parton has one. It's like some sort of rodeo show. Uh, and there's a couple others there. And it, I didn't go to any of them because they're mind blowingly. I, I I can't imagine that they're any good or any fun. Uh, but yeah, so if you haven't been to Pigeon Don't. Forge, yeah, there is a Hard Rock Cafe there. I was very surprised to find a Hard Rock Cafe at, in Pigeon Forge. But sounds like Branson, but more rednecky. Yeah. Anyway, we got off on a tangent. Micro Wrestling Federation, <laughs> you guys need to come back to uh, somewhere in the greater Tidewater region. I promise I won't miss it this time. Um, They're going to be around a variety of county fairs and such. Uh, they're at a place called Porky's Pig Roast, Woodstock, Illinois. <laughs> Get hype. No, that sounds fun. Yeah, Martinsville, Indiana, Terre Haute. Sorry. Anyway. Um, Boy, they're like a nationwide thing. Yeah, yeah they're, they're all, all over the place. Goodness. Um, impressive so yeah this match is awesome like these guys kick each other's ass they're like it's very um it's very crisp very very well trained you can tell you know they're like little tokyo is like jacked like yeah it's like i don't know they really they go to work the only part i didn't understand with this match where there's this like there's this bit where they're like both looking up in the air like and i couldn't they were sort of playing it off on the announcing, like one of them was trying to trick the other, to like, "Hey, look up there!" And then, but I don't know if there was actually maybe something really going on. Like, 
Yeah, it seemed like maybe there was like some sort of plane with a thing flying yeah. over or something like that. But like they definitely all seemed distracted for a minute, yeah. and that was really weird. But then uh, Little Tokyo tries to use the same stunt like a minute later in the match, and it doesn't work, and it backfires on him. Um, yeah, I don't know how Little Mr. T isn't getting a cease and desist from the real Mr. T because uh, he it's that's exactly his gimmick. He is Mr. T, but small. It's weird. Um, and, uh, we get, a, this is, this is one of the production issues because, uh, these guys are shorter. The camera doesn't know what to do. And we frequently get a close up of the ref's ass <laughs> during, during the action, just because the camera is trying to aim down and there's ref ass right in your face multiple times during this match. Yeah. And at some point, for some reason, Larry Nelson says, kill the head and the body will die. I think it's because uh, Little Tokyo had a uh, little Mr. T in a headlock that was really good, tight, solid headlock. Um, yeah, that. And then he makes a jab at Little Tokyo's dental health at some point. Like he makes a crack about his teeth and just kind of. We should uh, and, we should mention that Little Mr. T is also known as the Haiti Kid, and so when he was at yeah. WrestleMania three, he was a Haiti Kid, but he was in um, Piper's Corner. No, he was in Mr. T's Corner at WrestleMania two, actually. As little T, mm-hmm. so maybe that's how he didn't get a cease and desist. He's made friends, maybe. So yeah, yeah. Mr. T, there's enough Mr. T to go around. Larry Nelson also at one point says, "Look at that little fella move," <laughs> and Mr. T lands a butt butt, which I really, I really liked that that term for a, a butt move, butt. a butt butt. <laughs> yeah, so like he throws a little Tokyo into the ropes, and then he jumps butt first into hitting him with his butt. And uh, Larry Nelson calls it a butt butt. I'm like, that's what that is. I'm calling that that for now yeah. on a butt butt. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good match actually. Like I said, we've the few times we've seen, um, you know, so little people wrestling on on some of these specials. I've like, been very impressed actually with sort of the the athleticism and the the, the skill really. Um, so there's a short incomprehensible interview with little Tokyo after the match. He just kind of yells some stuff and uh, <laughs> he yells at little Mr. T is nothing to him. He's nothing to me. And then he walks off like good little heel Hell promo. Yeah. Nice. Hell yeah. yeah. Good match. Very excited. Um, we may, yeah, we may have to watch midget mania or whatever it was called. Um, yeah, if we can track that down next up on the card, meal mascaras, Versus Buddy Roberts. This is the IWA World Heavyweight Championship, um, <laughs> which is short for what? What is that? Uh, International Wrestling Association, uh, which had been defunct since 1978. <laughs> From Cleveland, out of Cleveland. He just claimed the title. Oh, cool. Cool, cool. And uh, carried it and it, it for the since the seven years since the IWA had gone out of business. But they call it the Mexican Championship here. Uh, but it's not. It's the IWA championship belt that he has and everything like that. It's weird. And um, this is one of those moments where we had a fast forward where I'm sure that part of the, the start of the match was a was in poor shape because even the video when it came back was in a bit of rough shape. Maybe they need to talk to uh, your pal George down there and see if he's got a handheld or something of the show. So, <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, so Roberts looks and works a lot like Ric Flair. He's got the same kind of stance. He's got that sort of like leaning over, kind of reaching out for his opponent's yeah. arms and stuff. Uh, there's some good moves in this. I like Roberts putting his legs up on the ropes, and then Mil Mascaris just 
dumped him on his back. Um, I thought that was pretty yeah. good. Uh, Roberts is hitting the blatant heel moves pretty uh, steadily there. There's, there's a choke and a groin kick. And um, my only criticism of this one is the announcer, or the, not the announcer, the ref counts slower than anyone I've ever seen in the entire world. <laughs> Every match, the ref is like one, two. Going out for a smoke. Oh, just didn't get him. Like, are you kidding me? He's been down for five minutes. Like, <laughs> everyone in the stadium has moved on. No, right. Um, but Mascaras gets the win with the big flying, flying crossbody here. Very impressive move. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, there's a spot where I forget what the move was, but the announcer goes, "He drops him like a sack of beans." <laughs> <laughs> Larry Nelson just needs a color guy with him, and it'd be great. <laughs> he's, he's doing all his own drum fills there. Yeah, um, yeah. There's another incomprehensible interview, um, and then they uh, we get a, a little quick promo with Kerry uh, Von Erich before he heads to the to the ring, and the crowd goes bananas. Uh, they yeah. are they are in love with that guy, um, and I mean, look at him. He looks like a million bucks. Um, yeah. So he's going to whip that Jimmy Garvin all over the stadium. He's going to do it for himself, and he's going to do it for his brother Mike, who's laid up in the hospital. So that's the stakes here. So this is Kerry uh, Von Erich versus gorgeous Jimmy Garvin with Precious for the WCCW Texas Championship. So that's, again, uh, WCCW. This is Chicago, and that crowd is chanting for him. Like, how did they even know who he was? Like, what what is happening? Yeah, I kind of wondered the same thing. Would, would they have even seen him on – they wouldn't have seen him on TV. And, like, he hadn't been over to WWF yet at this point. Um, mm, probably not. I mean, I – it's got to be like tape trade or something. something, or he brought, or he brought people up, and enough people there had drank during during the previous <laughs> matches to where like they're chanting that they like this guy. I like him too, Carrie, Carrie. Yeah. Like I don't know. Well, let's just yeah, see what's the is... uh, AW. Oh no, the American Heavyweight Championship uh, and American Tag Team Champion from. Hmm, I don't know, but the yeah. the girls are super into him. They're screaming like nobody's business. Uh, he's he does some uh, wild offense. He has a couple of crazy drop kicks, and every every single time they lose their shit. Um, and, and that uh, tornado punch. Yeah, he's a superstar. Like it's I. He's such a stud, and uh, it's you know it's a shame that his his career didn't quite work out the way it it could have. Um, no, the whole family was mired in tragedy. But um, the other thing I noticed is precious. Precious is okay, but she wishes she was Sherry Martell. She's she's doing a good job. Yeah. She's giving Carrie shit every time he falls out of the ring, and it's pretty spectacular. She is like right there in his face, no fear. It's pretty good stuff. Um, but yeah, I just started having this is when when like the show became a bit exhausting for me to watch just because of the production value. I'm like, all right, I'm tired of fighting through to see things. Um, I just like I just everything starts blurring and like it's just because the camera angles are weird you don't know where the action is necessarily going to go some of the action is being clipped off the screen it's just not good it, I don't know what was going up and then uh but uh yeah I mean we end up getting the famous Von Eric claw happening at the end of the match um yeah this this match also had like a had like a weird finish to it too like it was just like a punch and then <laughs> garvin gets pinned yeah yeah it's weird yeah so carrie gets the win for his brother mike um we can all feel good about that i guess i don't know 
Yeah. Every match at this point has had post-match violence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does. It starts to drag a little bit. Um, it's going to pick up here in a minute. We got maybe one more rough one to get through and then we're, then we've got some good stuff coming. Um, well, I think our next match is a good one. You like that one? Well, it didn't. Well, okay, we can talk about it. So the next one is uh, for the. Actually, this one does not have a title on the line. What the hell? No. What kind of craziness is this? Why would you have a match without a title? Right, especially when they advertise that like <laughs> everything but two matches were for a title. I'm like, mm, it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> so in the one corner here, we've got Greg Gagne, of course, son of Vern Gagne, uh, Scott Hall, who is amazing looking, and Kurt Hennig. Versus Ray the Crippler Stevens, Nick Bockwinkle, of course, AWA's longest running uh, heavyweight champion, and Larry Zabisco. So this is kind of like the old guys versus the young bucks, but not those young bucks. Kurt and Scott are like fresh-faced babies. Uh, I don't know why Greg Gagne is in the mix with them. Just want to correct you on second. What did I say? For a second here. Uh, Vern Gagne is the longest AWA heavyweight championship. Oh. Uh, Almost... By almost a thousand days longer. Oh wow! Um, Nick Bockwinkel was second, but also should note that Nick Bockwinkel only had one reign, and that reign was for seventeen hundred days. So props. Does it count if you're like the champion of your own company? Like, like you kind of gave gave the belt to yourself, right? Like that's the reason why he started a wrestling company, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess. I like I like Nick Bockwinkel actually. The the times that we've seen him, like he's got this like um, I don't know. He's very smooth. He works kind of like slowly and methodically, but you can know you can tell he really he knows what he's doing and he knows like the psychology of stuff. He's got sort of that kind of you know classic like douchey good looking yeah. guy thing going on. And like I I really enjoy watching him the few times that we've had a chance to see him. So. Yeah, so I'm going to correct myself now. Vern Gagne was the longest reigning at 4,677 combined days uh, through 10 reigns, and Nick Bockwinkel was four reigns and 2,990 days. Wow. So then the next closest is Mad Dog Vashon at 776. So, uh, yeah, that's in, that's that's some intense holding of the title of your own company. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you start your own wrestling show. You make yourself champion. Uh, yeah, I guess you bucks. get to do what you want, you know? I'm looking at you, young bucks. <laughs> so, uh, also, uh, Larry Zbysko, I hardly recognize here. He looks like Jim Belushi. And, uh, He's a stunt double. I'm sure he does his stunts. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, let's see. I don't know. So, um, Scott Hall tags in Greg Gagne at one point, which I wrote down as like a pit bull tagging in a chihuahua for the dog fight. It's like, yeah. if Scott Hall couldn't take care of somebody, you really think... Uh, Good old Greggy is going <laughs> to. Greg is barely in this match. Yeah. I didn't. I He's like in there for maybe like 30 seconds. But Greg Gagne is actually acting like a heel. Like he's fighting Zabisco dirty. It doesn't doesn't play well for me. Um, but this match is so star-studded. It's probably the biggest star-studded match on this card. Um, it's got a lot of big names. And, and the announcer is in love with Scott Hall. And, uh, same, like he's just praising Scott Hall constantly and just like talking about how good looking he is and how handsome he is and how muscular he is, how much musculature that he has. And he's just all over him. Um, Christ, get a room, Larry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this, 
the heels really made this match so good, especially Nick Bockwinkel. He's just, he's stalling. He's gouging the eyes. He's, he's doing things behind the ref's back. And it's just classic heel Nick Bockwinkel. It's wonderful. Yeah, I like the way that the way he wrestles kind of reinforces his personality. You know, he's he's the arrogant guy, you know, he's full of himself and just the way that he moves and puts moves on people in the ring like fits it 1000%. It's like it's seamless, you know? Like it's not like he's trying to be one person out of the ring or in his promos and then wrestling a completely different way. He's just he is that guy through and through. Um so Yeah, his style all the way across is 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 him and it's wonderful and it's it's it gives a very good feeling of authenticity to the character which i think is where like rick flair's character felt very authentic in the same way so uh they're these guys are cut from the same cloth yeah but bockwinkle's a bit more of a of a tough guy than flair yeah flair's more of like the pretty boy um so they beat up on poor old Kurt Hennig there for a long, long time. They body slam him on the baseball field. Uh, there's lots of them taking turns, getting the heat on him while the others distract the ref, which is, of course, a classic. Um, there's a move where Zabisco gives Kurt, like, the Irish whip, and then he catches him on the rebound and goes straight into an abdominal stretch I thought was really cool. Like, that was, that yeah. was super smooth. I like that a lot. So. Yeah. Zabisco is a very talented guy. We need to watch more of his stuff, too. Especially if he brings a ninja. Where was his ninja in this match? <laughs> this had a, a distinct lack of ninjas. That was yeah, uh, very was disappointing. That, was that the Wrestle Rock with the ninja? I think it yeah, was. Yeah, Wrestle Rock. He shows up with a with ninja. <laughs> like, why does he have a ninja? Because shut up. That's why. You know, the, um, the referee misses the hot tag, and they go back to for more heat. Like it just it keeps yeah, keeps building, good. keeps building. Uh, and then there's sort of just a quick surprise win for the youngsters. Yeah, we go into chaos. Yeah, there's a there's chaos and like Scott Hall out of nowhere uh, gets a power slam on Ray Stevens and the ref just happened to be paying paying attention and uh, got the one, <laughs> two, three, pin yeah. and the win for the for the uh, good guys here. So <laughs> yeah, go back to the retirement home, Dad. Good Lord. Whew. Greg um, Greg tells the announcer that we pulled it off with youth and experience, which is not really how that works, but that's okay. Um, Scott Hall is just happy to be here, happy to be working with these guys. He's having a great time. Um, man, what a, what, a, what a star that guy was. So, yeah. All right. This next uh, one, this is, this, there's a lot going on here. Um, you guys might want to strap in. Yeah. This one has a there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> so this is the Road Warriors, of course, Hawk and Animal, versus the fabulous Freebirds, Michael Hayes and Terry Gordy, for the AWA World Tag Team Championship. The Freebirds come out first, uh, and they have the uh, the Traders flag, the Confederate flag, painted on their faces and on their bandanas. Um, and the announcer says. Where does this makeup come from? And Terry says, it's none of your business and none of the business of any of these people in Chicago. Oh. And then, he's, and then he gives us a line about how the South's going to do it again. Right? Yeah. And that was that one was a little much. I don't know. The face paint, though, man. <laughs> yeah. Why not just come out to the ring in sheets, yeah. like wearing white sheets or, or in blackface? Why yeah. not? Just just fully commit, Michael Hayes. Just do it. 
just you know confederate flag face paint like come on <laughs> yeah heritage not hate i guess uh, fuck off heritage right. not hate. <laughs> yeah it's not it's not great but fortunately also their music is terrible um yes then uh Hayes does a moonwalk also which i think is a hate crime uh, yeah in a confederate flag face paint yeah, yeah. So I will notice that the the crowd that's on the field, there's, so there's a handful of rows set up on like two sides of the ring down there, um, and that crowd is pretty white. Um, but I kind of feel like up in the stands it might be a different story. I don't know, you know, I don't know what the Comiskey Park area of Chicago was like in the '80s, but uh, that they may not be playing that well up in the cheaper seats. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's a big chant of go home free birds. Nice. So they're getting the heel heat that they want. <laughs> I don't know if they really needed to go all the way of the Confederate flag face paint. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're getting some go away heat. And it's not like, boo, we don't like the bad guy heat. It's like, we hate you. Get out of Chicago immediately. Get back on the interstate before we murder you kind of hate uh take your racist so, cracker ass back on down south right yeah um well Kamitsky was in south Phil- south, south chicago, chicago right yeah. yeah yeah so that's that's not the nicer neighborhoods that's not wrigleyville yeah right you know that's not uptown so <laughs> so fortunately here come the road warriors to to set all this to right so they they just they blow past the announcer he like he tries to get a little pre-interview yeah just like, he's not doing the pre-match talk at all they just shoulder him aside and they're so massive yeah. um the crowd's like trying to get to them like they the crowd starts losing its mind when they see these guys um, they want to help yeah like yeah we'll get in there <laughs> we'll fuck them up um so they just they climb right in the ring and just get to it without even taking their belts off um like like how do these how dare these racist scumbags even you know think about challenging us for these titles you know so. Yeah, they're there to thump some skulls. <laughs> so they hit Michael Hayes so hard that he stalks off onto the the infield like he doesn't know where he's going. Like he's like just wandering yeah. around, um, which I thought was kind of a fun move. Um, and then they they fi- eventually they ring the bell, but the whole thing is chaos. And like I'm I'm totally here for it. Um, there's so this is one of the spots where you notice that there's no barrier between the ringside crowds and the ring. It's just like, and so when they go out to fight in the crowd, they go out to fight in the crowd and like the crowd like stands up and circles them almost like it's a schoolyard brawl. Like, yeah, yeah. They, they put a lot of trust in that Chicago audience. I would not no security (laughs) barriers at all. Like how, like how are they not like, just like tripping the heels when they come down to the ring or whatever? Like it's, it's nuts. It's, my God. And it pays off later because you get, it's very exciting when they leave the ring and uh, during the show, I will give them that, that because there is no barrier and the fans are right there. It is exhilarating to watch the match. hundred percent. Yeah. And and, fall apart and go into the crowd. And there's like one or two security guys who are like kind of holding, you know, like they're, but they're, I mean, they're, they're not doing anything. It's it's no. really it's really the crowd is kind of holding the the circle itself. You know, like they're they're keeping the perimeter, and it's almost like they're they're in on it. But you know, they're they're clearly not. Like um, they, I don't know these guys, and these guys just wail on each other for um, how long was this thing? It's not that long. Um, no, let's see, fourteen minutes all told. 
uh, I don't. I didn't write down any moves because it's just like think, punches. No, there is there is no moves. There's just pounding and slamming and <laughs> bumping and like just the. I mean, it's very clear that the Road Warriors were there just to fight. They they put down a couple beers in the locker room. I'm sure the Freebirds came over like, so what are you thinking about doing tonight? You know, what do you fucking kick your ass? That's what we're gonna do. What a rush! Like that's. <laughs> How about That's this? We that. go out there and we beat the holy hell out of you for fourteen minutes. <laughs> and we call it a yeah, night. and then and then we get like a super bullshit win. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, for the Freebirds, the, the Freebirds steal one, uh, and they run off with the belts. But the and the crowd is like showering them with trash and cups. Oh and, my god! Uh, they're they're heading for the dugout like their lives depend on it, which it probably does. Um, and the uh, the Road Warriors are still in the ring. They're just they're looking kind of pissed. Um, and um, Ver- fortunately, Vern Gagne, longest reigning AWA <laughs> champion, which I just learned, um, comes out and uh, reviews the instant replay like it's fucking Sunday Night Football or whatever. Uh, so <laughs> reverses the decision. You're you're on the right track. So I'm pretty certain that that's what this gimmick is: is that Vern uh, is playing off the fact that the NFL had just installed instant replay in the season in the football season that had just started. Mm. And so interesting. Uh he's like, we're gonna go to the replay and they reverse the decision off the replay and it's totally like the NFL kind of thing. <laughs> um so that's that's I, I'm certain that that's what they were going for, like kind of like making a mockery of the NFL for doing instant replay kind of thing. So you know, Vern Gagne, he's got his, his uh, fingers on the pulse of America, and he knows exactly what they want. And what they want is instant replay in professional wrestling. Clearly the the most important thing they could do. So, yeah, they they reverse the decision. They give the belts back to the Warriors. So it's a Dusty finish, and Dusty's not involved. But um, that was Where fun. is Dusty Rhodes at this point? Where Why isn't he on this show? Yeah, like, there's, there's some weird NWA, like, big-time talent missing from this card, believe it or not. Yeah, but, well, the, the rest of the horsemen... Uh, Where's Tully? Yeah, yeah. Tully where's Tully? Arne. Where's Arn? Where's where's you know Old. everybody? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was good. If you're gonna maybe watch one match from this card, I would I would watch that one for sure. It's a good one. Um, next up is another six man. This is the NWA World Six Man Tag Team Championship. This is the Russian team on one side. Now that's Crusher Khrushchev, aka our good old buddy Barry Darso, Ivan Koloff, and Nikita Koloff. Versus uh, Crusher, Dick the Bruiser, and Baron von Raschke on the other side. Um, so the Russian, the Russians are all color coordinated. They got matching headbands. They look scary as hell. They even have matching uh, goatees. Um, they uh, they insult all Americans, all stinking Americans. Uh, yeah. And there's a really nice sign alert that says "Kill the Commies" with like a hand yeah. hand painted hammer and sickle on it. Love <clears> it. <throat> like the creativity. Yeah, there's some interesting cultural things happening in this match. The match isn't very good. No. Uh, but so we, we've discussed uh, Crusher Khrushchev before on here about how uh, his storyline is supposedly that he was like brainwashed into being a communist. But in this match, he's introduced from Russia and he talks with a really bad Russian accent before the match and stuff. So uh, I don't know how true that whole gimmick is and like i don't know if he's changing it from town to town at this point maybe just trying it out uh but there's also uh a moment where the crowd cheers for german goose stepping uh von raschke uh because they hate russians more than they hate nazis at this point 
Um, because I mean that that was Baron von Raschke's gimmick. I'm pretty sure it was pretty much that he was a Nazi, but he's he's playing face at this point because he's he's an old timer that's come back, yeah. just like Dick DeBrucer and Crusher. So. Yeah, it's weird. It kind of like <sighs> broke him out of the mothballs. He's he's really tall, but he has like no physique, um, and he does that like chasing uh, chasing uh, Crusher around with a claw, uh, which is kind of like maybe worked in a previous generation, but here just sort of corny, honestly. Um, yeah. So the Russians steal one, and there's a pretty audible bullshit chant from the crowd. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it's that. Lovely. Yeah, thank you, Chicago. Um, yeah, there's not much else going on in this match. It's a it's a weird mix of people it's kind of like hey who do we got backstage you ready for another russian there's another russian um borsukov the other the other russian the other notable russian heel going around this time he does a quick interview with uh with larry nelson there's trash raining down on him the the announcer's kind of ducking out of the way (laughs) um that guy with the kill the commie sign gets to use it again so that's cool it's good that's recycling uh reducing and, yeah. and reusing it's good um and then we introduce sarge as the american hero and he says usa number one he's got little flags to give out on the ring on the way to the ring there's the air force uh anthem playing and the, the crowd is like yeah. mobbing him for those flags uh, and you can actually hear someone yelling for security at one se- at one part yeah uh, I, I was kind of a little nervous for him there yeah, and and the and the dress marines that were in their dress blues escorting him to the ring. I was concerned for their safety yeah, seriously, because <laughs> the crowd mobbed him because there's no security <laughs> barriers around the on-field fans. Uh, so Sarge is mobbed immediately. Uh, I don't understand why uh, a, Sergeant Slaughter is supposedly a marine, but he comes out to the Air Force song. Off we go into the wild blue yonder. Oh, what's going on with your gimmicks here? Come on, man. Come on. It's all over the place. Um, yeah, I mean, you can get a recording of the Marines him, man. Yeah. Just use that. It's fine. I mean, but he is pretty much the only one on the show that comes out with theme music. Um, yeah, that's true. So well, except for him- the um, the Freebirds. They have some shitty music. Yeah, and Kamala comes out with music, too. Yeah. So, but uh, Slaughter, he's pretty much, you know, it's not being used a lot. The the, the Yeah. The, thing and then just it's just uh yeah this match was this match was pretty good yeah but the the opening is this chaos again because there's no protection from the fans so yeah this is uh sergeant slaughter versus boris Zhukov for the awa america's championship um and they they get right to it they have a hell of a brawl um slaughter gets uh gets some color supposedly from Zhukov having a foreign object in his elbow pad and just bleeds all over the place um Eventually, Zukov gets DQ'd after he won't listen to the ref, and um, and Sarge hawks up. He does an actual hawk up, like he does the he does the shaking and he does the like smacking himself in the forehead thing, uh, and then they go out into the crowd, uh, which again just seems incredibly dangerous. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, and that's pretty much that one. So um, here's another made up championship. <laughs> so the America's championship. If you look at it, it seems pretty much designed to give Sergeant Slaughter a championship belt because he's he's jumped back over from WWF. So initially they give it to Larry Zabisco just so that Larry Zabisco can be beaten by Sergeant Slaughter for the title. And then Slaughter holds the title until he leaves the AWA to go back to WWF. And lo and behold, the title's activated, deactivated when he leaves. Hmm. Yeah. It lasted from 85, are, 85 to 86. Uh, you're just making up championships. The, Why not? The Asian six-man tag championship. 
the America's Championship. Mm. Just, just make it all up. <laughs> so in his post-match uh, interview, Sar- Sarge gives uh, a shout-out to G.I. Joe twice. He says G.I. Joe by name. Yeah. And he even says Yo-Jo. Uh, he's getting that, yeah. getting those sweet cross-promotion dollars in there. He knows where his bread is buttered. <laughs> like... He knows where the real money's coming from, yeah. and he's got that guttural voice, and he's like, he says that he's here to clean up America from trash like you, like yeah, and he's uh covered in blood too during this too, yeah. so that's good. I'm sure that's great marketing for the kids. <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter covered in blood, saying "Yo, Joe." It's the hey, war is hell. It's the bloody, yeah. it's the Sergeant Slaughter b- bloody variant. It's actually worth a lot more if it's still in the package. Yeah, no, he looks amazing. He looks like a million bucks. He's like, he looks like a like a baby face. I'm sure he was. He's probably pretty old here already. Uh, he was always an older guy to begin with. Um, I mean, not forever, but he was born a child, obviously. But like, uh, you know, he was See Benjamin Button. Yeah, <laughs> he was. He was. He was started wrestling a later, I believe, in life. So he was uh, 37 at the time of this match. Yeah, that's kind of old. Slaughter, yeah. Right, thirty-seven. Well, that's like Stone Cold says. That's when you reach your prime, is in around that time. So, but yeah, it's definitely he's definitely getting up there. And so then, like, yeah, by the time Slaughter gets to like doing the Iraqi sympathizer thing, he's yeah, he's old. He's in his forties. Yeah, yeah. So I try to imagine myself doing any of that shit. Like, no, no, thanks. <laughs> so we got a little quick interview with uh, the Sheik and Kamala. Uh, and uh, so um, Jerry Blackwell. Blackwell's built from Stone Mountain, Georgia. I don't know who did it first, though, him or uh, Jake the Snake. Uh, so um, Maybe they're both from there. Maybe. Maybe they're brothers. This is uh, Jerry. So they don't call him Crusher here. Wasn't he Crusher Blackwell? Um, they, but they don't call him that here. Um, he becomes Sheik, Black, Sheik Blackwell at some point, too. Oh, Lord. Eventually it lines. Yeah, so he was also Crusher. Yeah, Crusher, Crusher Jerry, Jerry Blackwell. Blackwell. So, yeah. He, uh, anyway, so he's uh, Tim versus Kamala with Sheik Adnan Al Casey. It's a ten thousand dollar body slam match. Um, that they, they uh, wasn't the WrestleMania one fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, in cash. Yeah, so they they went in a duffel bag. They went this budget. A, they went low budget. A, this is a this is a personal check. <laughs> that like they get the fake promoter whatever his name is to hold up it's like this is low budget this is real low yeah this is we we already know that neither one of them are getting <laughs> getting that check that that check is not real yeah you might get a dozen um, chicken wings for winning this one that's yeah that's about it but so actually i i tuned down a little bit here and i didn't see what i, I heard um larry nelson refer to kamala repeatedly as a thing like look at that thing yes and, um and then look at that paint look at that thing yeah uh sheik starts off the match by singing the arabian national anthem i did a little mm, research is that a country the well i mean at this point it's already saudi arabia uh but the song that he sings is not the saudi arabian theme uh national anthem uh, and since the Sheik is actually from Iraq, it was not the Iraqi national anthem at the time either. So I, I'm again, he's making it up. I'm 99% sure that he's just making up sounds <laughs> and singing it, or he's singing like old McDonald has a farm in Arabic. Like, yeah, 
It's Chicago. No one's ever, no one there is going to know what the hell he's doing. Well, yeah, sure. That's the that's the that's the Arabian national anthem. Sure. Boo. I was going to say everybody's going to be too busy booing to listen anyway. It kind of sounded to me like he was sort of doing Nikolai Volkov's uh, Russian national anthem, but like sort of doing it phonetically, like based on like how he remembered hearing it. <laughs> um, which would be yeah, I could see that. Which but like, would be how I would sing it. Nikolai is actually singing the the like communist Russian anthem is, though, yeah. so not not exactly on pitch, but you can tell that it's it's the right thing, especially if you watched the Hunt for Red October. You yeah, can, you can pick out what he's singing. I think I had a good anthem actually. I like that. Anthem. Yeah. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Communists, they knew how to write a tune, man. Yeah, that's for goddamn sure. Anyway, but um, so who gets the actual body slam here? Was it? Uh, uh, Blackwell slams Kamala. Uh, so I mean, there's there's this like horrible like this one the racism that's happening against Kamala. I feel bad kind of for him, even though like it's the gimmick and he likes the gimmick and like that's his thing, but like. Then they're also, the announcer keeps saying that Kamala and Blackwell weigh roughly the same. And I'm like, are you blind? Are you, are you really blind? Like Blackwell easily weighs a hundred pounds more than Kamala. There is no way. There's no way that Kamala's winning this match. Like I guarantee that they saw, they saw Andre versus John Studd on WrestleMania one. They're like, we need to do that. Who are the two fattest guys we got on our roster? And like, oh, Kamala and Blackwell, <laughs> let's do it. And but like, they're nowhere near in size. Like at least John Studd and Andre were kind of close to each other, and yeah. in, in at least weight wise, uh, Andre was taller. But you know, these two guys are not yeah. nowhere close to it. And uh, so it's and it's immediately like Kamala's never picking Blackwell up. You know who's going to win this match from the very beginning. Yeah, and they beat up on uh, Blackwell after the match, and it gets broken up by Baron Von Raschke again with a baseball bat um, because he's a Nazi, and that's better than being from Africa, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's better than being black. I like so. I always like Kamala's gimmick. I know it's problematic, but like, I always like when he like slaps his belly. <laughs> yeah, and he does it in this match he does, too. Yeah, and like, it's great. And like, he's like, I don't know, if that means he's going to battle or something. Yeah. Uh, this match actually was pretty good. I found this match very entertaining. Um, for 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 being two big guys, it's a very entertaining match, and I had never. Uh, had seen much of Jerry Blackwell, and he impressed me in this match. And you know, we've seen a lot of Kamala, so we already know what Kamala can do with the crazy yeah. chops and the and the moves he does. So uh, they were they paired well together. They worked well together. And this is where the baseball stadium again becomes problematic. Not just because there's no security, but it's such a long run because they're coming out of the dugout, and the the um, ring is on the pitcher's mound, and so. It's 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 a haul for anybody that's going to come out from backstage, and they they have like two nobodies come running out, like like the announcer doesn't even know who the hell they are, and they get easily handled because like it's such a long run, you can actually see like Sheik and Kamala stop their beatdowns on Blackwell, just see okay how close is he? He's almost here, okay, and then but then eventually you know Baron runs out with a baseball bat and still. It's barren. He's old, and it's a long run, so it's not really a, not really a real hustle. Uh, 
So, yeah, Blackwell, poor Blackwell gets gets roughed up at the end here. And we never see him get the check either. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing they stiffed him on that one. That's not one for sure. <laughs> All right. All right, so we're getting down close to the end of the card here. Uh next up is is a banger. Um it's Rick Martel versus Stan Hansen for the AWA World Heavyweight Championship. And this thing just just starts. Like it just it's, it just starts out of nowhere in the middle of the field. Yeah. I don't know if we missed some video or what, but there's like all of a sudden there's just chairs flying everywhere and these two are just like going to town. The announcer's going, Stan Hansen's going berserk as he usually does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stan Hansen has gone Stan Hansen. Yeah. Um yeah, so like he he's just like storming towards the ring and and he's fighting through the crowd. He doesn't care that there's crowd members around. Like and like there's this everything is so freaking stiff and strong. Like god. Martel's going to have to soak in the hot tub after <laughs> after this one. Like and there's like there's chairs flying. Like he's literally just throwing hard plastic chairs at Rick Martel and I I don't there's no way to describe this match besides it is not a wrestling match. No. It is utter chaos and a brawl. And it's it's a one man bar brawl. <laughs> like yeah. it's um yeah, so first of all, poor Stan Hansen is twice the size of poor Ricky Martel, who looks I mean, who looks amazing. He looks like a star, but I mean like that guy's gonna about to get killed. We're about to watch a man die. Like it's yeah. this is gonna happen. Um they and he, and he slams Martel down the steps of the of the dugout and like like they fight all the way through the crowd over to the dugout and like it, it's insane and they destroyed all the infield seating like like when I say all all of it it's oh. all a mess they they fought through the entire crowd all the way around destroying every single row of chairs if there was a match after this one there's there's no recovering they just have to have the fans stand or something. Because there's they they can't reorganize it fast enough. Yeah. Like they've destroyed everything in the stadium. If the furniture ringside had been made out of wood, they would have had like toothpicks afterwards. Like it was, it was just it was complete and utter chaos. So they they go in the ring for like I don't know thirty seconds maybe. Um, a long the official time is two and a half minutes. Two and a half minutes of this match. Long enough. It's easily twenty minutes of the of the actual yeah. video. Long enough for um, for Hanson. The first move that he like move that he actually hits is a shoulder block that looks like it would have like decapitated a normal person, um, and, and it's just a shoulder block. And so they roll back outside and they take turns whacking each other with chairs. And about that's about the time that the bell rings to disqualify them both. The refs just like, yeah, this is this is crazy. Um, but they go around and around the ring. Stan Hansen has his. Uh, cowbell and bull rope combination. He loops around Ricky's uh, neck and kind of drags him around the ring. <laughs> um, yeah. The crowd is following along with them. Like, again, like it's a schoolyard fight. And you can see this one guy in the back of the frame who's just like going fucking bananas. He's like, he's like, get him, get him, get him. He, like, he can't even take it. Um, and he body slams, uh, uh, Martel body slams Hanson on the board walkway that they've been using. Uh, like you said, they go out, all the way down to the to the dugout, and there's like somebody's handheld camera is kind of like looking down through the fence. Like it's not even like a real like shot that they plan to get. It's just like it's like who, who's got a camera we can <laughs> stick over the wall here? Yeah. Um, Wally Carbo, who was 
got to be 80 here, um, comes in the pit and tries to separate them. Um, and then we finally get the call, uh, which is the double disqualification. Martel retains in championship, but maybe not most of his cartilage or bones or brain power or blood yeah. or anything else. This is a rough one. The, um, <laughs> it's fucking yeah. bananas. I mean, it's bananas. <laughs> This is this is the original like Stone Cold versus Kevin Owens like that's that's what this match like there's there's no they're ringing the bell before this match starts to try and get organization yeah. like not because they want to start the match but just they need to get them to stop fighting around the ring they destroy everything it's it's chaos but like Hanson's also taking some licks from Martel too so like Martel's hitting him with chairs and and slamming into him hard and like. None of these folding chairs or the hard plastic chairs that aren't folding are gimmicked. They're they're bouncing off of these guys and cracking, and it's you don't expect to see something like this from a 1985 show, <laughs> and you definitely aren't seeing this from a 1985 WWF show. So this is this is a, a the chaos that that WWF doesn't have. Yeah. And the but, and the like outright violence that WWF doesn't yeah. really have at this point. So two, but you can't see no, it very well. No. <laughs> so okay, so two things. First off, this is actually the main event. It's out of order on the tape that we watched here, but um, this is the last match of the card. Which like I have a feeling if they had let them, they would have just kept fighting out into the parking lot, and that's how they would have gotten everybody to go to their cars. You know, just like hey, follow your wrestlers <laughs> to the parking lot. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and the, so the other thing, I'm just going to read the, this is the description of the main event from the Wikipedia entry for this show. Um, and uh, this is, this is the difference between um, news footage and like headlines, right? It says in the main event, Rick Martel defended the world heavyweight championship against Stan Hansen. Okay. That sounds like they had a match, right? Hansen attacked Martel with a chair before the match and then hit him with a chair again until the match finally started. Hansen and Martel began hitting each other with chairs, forcing the referee to end the match in a double disqualification, resulting in Martel retaining the title. Like you sound, you read that, you're like, well, that sounds a little <laughs> unconventional, but still like a relatively normal match. And then you actually it watch. It sounds like they just jousted with chairs. Yeah. But. And then you actually watch this thing and it's like. It's like the Tasmanian devil on on crack cocaine, like locked in a box with a a rabid shit weasel. Like it's it's insane. I I don't even know how to. Yeah, it's hard to des describe this the magic of this match. Um, if you've seen Stan Hansen versus Vader, it's very similar to that. Uh, but there's a little bit more in ring work in Stan Hansen versus Vader than. Stan Hansen versus Rick Martel at Super Clash 85. Uh, they, these guys, it's, it's unreal and it's super enjoyable. It is the most fun match of the card. It's great. It's a good time. I don't know how anybody who ever fought Stan Hansen managed to survive. Like, I just, I don't know. Everything that he does looks like it really hurts <laughs> really badly. Oh, God, what a maniac. Um, so, okay, so we are getting to the, again, the main event on the video at this point, uh, which almost feels like a letdown. Like it's, I mean, it's a really good match to uh, absolute superstars, but after that, it's just like, oof, that's enough. Um, we get a quick interview yeah. with, uh, Magnum TA who just, he looks like a golden God. He's got like the most intense eyes. He's like, he's got that, 
he's he's burning with hatred for Flair. Um, Flair is is resplendent and a little bit out of place though in this uh, environment yeah. in his sort of gold frilly robe. He looks looks a little silly actually out there in the ball field. Um, so this is yeah. It, he looks he doesn't fit with the rest of this show. Yeah. <clears throat> he, and like and like he seem he even looks uncomfortable being in Chicago. I mean it's not Charlotte. It's not in the Greenboro coliseum here but you know we're we're in chicago it's a big town man you gotta work it but he he lands a, a beautiful rick flair promo before the match it's very very basic uh he says when the world champion is in town you know he's going to take care of business when your name is rick flair woo, and you're all there is brother you dictate when the bell rings it's, it's good it's good stuff but yeah let's get right to it it's, he just uh, he just seems a little uncomfortable though yeah he does um this is rick flair versus magnum ta for the nwa world heavyweight championship uh flair's in green the announcers are making a big deal about how he has the monogrammed boots i say i bet he probably monograms his socks <laughs> that's such a good line yeah i like that um one. magnum's wearing these really cool red and white wrestling boots that look like cowboy boots they look badass i like it a lot um, yeah and they i mean these guys have a good match they work together really well um they have a sort of similar kind of physical uh style you know of course flair is a little more over the top and comical um the first kind of big exchange is magnum getting the figure four on flair and uh, he's flair's is selling like crazy as he always does so good <laughs> ah, oh god um and he finally gets yeah. the rope break um flair comes back with an eye gouge to get some control back um, and then there's a fun little sequence where Flair's kind of like laying on top of Magnum, kind of rocking him into these repeated pin attempts. And each time he yeah. does, he puts up one foot or two on the ropes for leverage. Uh, when, where He's the, just a little too far from yeah. the ropes. and like <laughs> Where the ref can't see it, though. It's, it's devious. And then he gets busted yeah. eventually. So there's a couple weird things in this match. Uh, the announcer starts calling the Star Clash. But, okay, it's Star Clash now. Uh, so... Um, I guess he, he's so exhausted at this point. I, I can't be angry at him for it. He's calling this whole show by himself and doing all the ringside interviews. So, um, there's a random USA chant during this match. Um, they're both American folks. I don't, I don't understand. And this also was, I, I finally had noticed that this is, this referee was wearing like the black and white traditional referee shirt that you see nowadays and that like um as opposed to like the weird white with blue slacks awa polo um and so yeah that got me uh i thought that was interesting and then like i so i decided to look up the history of the black and white referee <laughs> shirt because i'm that kind of nerd oh God. okay what'd you find and um so in 1920 uh there was this quarterback that kept throwing passes to the game referee named Lloyd Olds, who was wearing just all white. The quarterback thought he was on their team. It was like in like central Michigan or something like that. Uh, and so he went to a sporting goods maker and was like, please make me something unique. So the quarterback starts throwing the ball at me, please. And so that uh, sports goods maker made him the black and white zebra stripes. And that became standard pretty quickly. And that's where, the referee shirt came from. So, yeah. but Who in knew? WWF, they're they dress like boxing referees, right? So they're always right. in like the little black bow tie and the and like a blue shirt and like slacks and stuff. But here in NWA, it's like so like 
it's a, it's the NWA is trying to look like a sporting event while WWF is trying to look more like an actual like combat sports because that's what you're familiar with the look of a boxing referee. So, um, yeah, this was this was a this match disappointed me some. It wasn't quite what I wanted. It, I felt like it was like maybe like the first time that these guys wrestled t- together. Um, it was a good match, but I think if they worked together more. If we we might be able to find like another match of these two guys, it's going to be a lot better of a match. Um, I don't know. I just I was just kind of let down with this. Yeah, maybe we should do that. Maybe we should look around and see what other um, Flair versus Magnum matches we could find. Um, yeah, it was okay. Like I, you know, I was kind of worn out. This is a really long show. I was kind of kind of trying to get through the last of it so we could talk about it. Um, yeah, there's I mean, there's some fun stuff. Flair goes to work on the arm after that. Uh, those repeated pin attempts goes to work on the arm of Magnum, but then Magnum flips him around and gets him in a sleeper hold. And, um, there's kind of a fun spot where flair like collapses to the floor while he's, uh, or to the mat while he's in the sleeper hold. You're like, Oh shit, did he just pass out? Um, but no, uh, Magnum actually tries to pin and flair gets his foot on the ropes again. Uh, and that's about yeah. the time that flair gets some color and, um, he backs up in a boxing stance. He's kind of doing the, come on, come on, come on. And Magnum takes it to him and flair's blood's going everywhere. And he, um, Magnum kind of takes a step back. So Flair can do his face bump <laughs> just every every time, yeah. every gets, time gets out of the way of it. Yep. I told uh, my wife was watching the uh, this match with me, and she's like, "Oh, she's like, did he did he blade himself?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did." And then and then Magnum starts punching him. I said, "Okay, face Flair's going to do a face bump. Watch this." And then <laughs> and sure enough, there it was, like yeah. 15 seconds. I'm like, "I get, I got it. I got the rhythm down." Um, yeah, it seemed like Flair bladed himself and he couldn't get enough blood going. And so Magnum actually, you could see Magnum with the middle finger knuckle out, landing real punches right on the cut. And that still didn't get too much going. He's trying uh, to help So I guess out. he might have hit, might have hit some scar tissue or something. Yeah. Uh, but this finish, Flair reverses a sunset flip with a handful of tights for the pin. And I don't know if you caught this. It happened in the Larry Zabisco match, uh, the six-man tag. Larry, I think, has Kurt Hennig in that abdominal stretch that you pointed out. It gets broken by the ref because Larry grabs the tights Mm. to maintain the hold. Mm. And the very first time I've ever seen holding the tights enforced as a rule, like a real rule. And then it's controversy at the end of this match or like, uh, they asked Magnum, did he, did he grab your tights? Damn right. He did. And like, <laughs> so like you have controversy because they actually enforce this somehow existing <laughs> rule about grabbing the tights that never really is enforced. It never gets enforced. They just bitch about it afterwards. Yeah. And Flair says, yeah. or I'm sorry, Magnum says, Flair, it's a long way from being over. So you can, you can count on these two continuing to feud a little bit when you're going to get up to dirty tricks like that. Uh, and then we get back yeah. to the, uh, the announcer at the table looking like, looking like he's about to pass out. Um, the poor guy kind of wants to just like walk him to bed and just like drop him over on his, uh, on his face. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how we did it. We got through all that. I know. I I I had to watch this in three sittings. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. It was just because it's 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 not because of quality of the matches. It's the quality of the show. It's it's just strenuous to watch. 
you know, it gets frustrating sometimes because you're just like, I don't know where the action is because, or like the action's off center, or I just totally missed the hot tag or, you know, stuff like that. So you get, you get exhausted trying to find it and like you're forcing yourself to watch and you just, you know, it's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So that's a good observation. Something about, um, you know, our brains at this point are, are used to the sort of high gloss and, and very easy on the eyes. Um, things so but anyway good good show though i think um did you have a so my best match and my oh shit moment are probably the same which is going to be stan hansen versus rick martel um Mm. maybe with the road warriors and Freebirds, a close one runner-up um neither of those things were actual matches though they were just they were just fights yeah i mean i'm probably going to give i mean the match that i noted the most technical stuff out of was actually candy divine versus sherry martel um, so that might be my, one of my top matches along with the little Mr. T versus little Tokyo too. Uh, for match quality, I think those were best for entertainment value. You can't go wrong with the Stan Hansen versus Rick Martell. Yeah. yeah. My Oh shit moment. Oh boy. I think, I think it's, it's Stan Hansen dragging Rick Martell with the rope around the ring yeah. and then pounding him in the face with the cowbell. Like you could hear the cowbell ringing from the contact. <laughs> That's great. Oh, I love everything about it. Yeah. The only thing I'm the only thing we missed from old Stan Hansen this time is a big plug of chaw in his in his mouth. <laughs> it's like tobacco juice flying everywhere. Ugh. Oh, that's so gross. Yeah, that's so, so gross. gross. Um, I would say probably the worst match, uh, the one I enjoyed the least, was probably the Russian team versus the the old guys. Um, yeah. It just wasn't just a, wasn't a whole lot to grab onto, and as much as we like uh, like Mister Darso, like to see his various incarnations, um, this, it, that didn't do much for me. I would have preferred to see them go up against Scott Hall, Rick Martell, or Scott Hall and Kurt Henning, and uh, what's his and, and Greg Gagne. But you know, you know, whatever. It's a good. This was a good show, and I. Uh, yeah, I think my least favorite match is probably that one as well. Besides just the uncomfortableness of watching the Freebirds versus Road Warriors. Um, yeah, I, I'm i still hung up on the Stan Hansen versus Rick Martell <laughs> match, man. Honestly, I don't I don't understand his strategy. Like, how are you? You're never going to come out of that as a champion. Mm-mm. So what did Rick Martell do to you personally? To... <laughs> Well, that's what like exists. Like, <laughs> well, that's why that's when I read the uh, description of the match, that's kind of why I was I was going to see what the thing you know what the issue was you know that they uh, that they were trying to settle there. But there's there's no description of it on here. Well, no, I don't know. He's just pissed. He just had a bad drive in. Uh, somebody pissed in his cornflakes. I don't know. Whatever. So as we always do, we like to wrap up by paying tribute to the men and women that we've seen who are no longer with us. So our in memoriam for the AWA Super Clash 1985 includes Sherry Martell, Candy Devine, Buddy Roberts, Scott Hall, Kurt Hennig, Ray Stevens, Nick Bockwinkle, Little Tokyo, Jumbo Sharuda, Giant Baba, Harley Race, Scott Irwin, Carrie Von Eric, Yvonne Koloff, The Crusher, Dick the Bruiser, Jerry Blackwell, Kamala, Road Warrior Hawk, Road Warrior Animal, Terry Gordy, 
Wally Carbo, and announcer Larry Nelson. Well, we hope you've enjoyed uh, listening to the show. If you uh, get a chance to watch it on YouTube, send us a note. Tell us what you liked about it. Tell us your favorite match. Tell us your oh shit moments. Um, remember, you can find us at allthewrestlemanias.com. You can find us on social media at WrestlemaniaPod on Twitter, WrestleMania, all the WrestleManias on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to donate to the show, kind of help us uh, you know, keep things moving along, you can always go to ko fi.com slash all the WrestleManias. Drop us the cost of a cup of coffee. We, we certainly appreciate it. Um, we're hoping to have some t-shirts up uh, on maybe, um, what's the, what's just the site that we're going to use? Uh, Tee Public at some point once I get, once I get my act together and can make a, make better quality versions of our logos to upload for shirts. Yeah. Uh, we'll get, uh, we'll get that going. Yeah. So, all right. In the meantime, I'm your co-host Tim. And I'm your co-host, Rich. We'll see you next time. Cue the Russian National Anthem.